The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Time to talk sport for the coming weekend. We're joined by Off the Balls, Jer Gilroy. Um, Jer, obviously, there's only one place really we can start, and that is the World Cup in Qatar. Are you enjoying it? Are you? Ah, uh, yeah. Is I it mean, delivering. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, you have to be careful how you phrase this. What's the the World Cup shouldn't be there, as Roy Keane said, because of everything that's going on, and so therefore, can you have a part of your brain that's enjoying something that you know is intrinsically wrong? I mean, I think. I know, so. <laughs> well, that's a very, that's a very private question. A, a, lot of, a lot of people would find, say, yeah, we're, we're well practiced at that, actually, now that you mention it. And are the people who are there enjoying it? Because there's reports of half empty stadiums, there's reports of fans saying that, that, that Australian fans saying they're going to go home early because the accommodation is so bad. Saw so some, some photographs of people who'd booked ages ago and they've ended up essentially in tents. Um, beside the desert and there's no air conditioning so uh, somebody compared it to fire festival except um, for football so that's the type of thing that has come back now which seems strange because the one thing I thought whatever when I, I know it's an odd thing to say but setting aside the human rights abuses and the misogyny and the uh, generalised um, institutionalised bigotry if you set all that apart you would have thought there is a huge amount of money and they will have quite nice facilities. $220 billion has been spent on this World Cup uh, to try and project that image of everything being fine. But people are complaining about it. it's difficult to get to the stadiums even though the country is really quite small. Uh, traffic jams have been bad. Now, that's some of the stories coming back. There are endless videos of Mexican fans, Brazilian fans, Argentinian fans having the crack. So, you know, like um, people are definitely... I was on uh, Robbie Keane's Instagram today. He was playing uh, paddleball with uh, David Beckham. So some people are having a very good time and uh, other people are less enjoying the experience. I, I do think, though, that if you go to a World Cup, some people are not going to have a great time. There are going to be issues, right? Um, the, the, the fans dressed as crusaders were less welcome than perhaps they thought they might be. You know, the cultural insensitivity of... They didn't, did they? Oh, well, the England fans dressed as crusaders all the time. It's their shtick. It's like... Because um, it's so ancient history. Who remembers these things, you know? Uh, obviously, it's taught in the history books of the place that they're going. That You think? The rape and pillage of that uh, generational... Um, mo- Giant ma- military campaign movement. to suppress mass an entire people, religion. Yeah. You, know, huh. yeah. <laughs> you mentioned the Brazilian fans having the crack. 2-0 uh, against Serbia. Still looking good. They are the favourites? Yeah, look, they look really good. Uh, Serbia are a decent team and they have high-performing, high-functioning players who were playing well coming into the tournament and everybody thought they were going to cause some trouble for Brazil and they did cause some trouble, but ultimately Brazil were able to deal with them. Neymar got injured, he's going to be back for the round of last 16. That was the latest we heard there. So uh, they don't really need him to get through. They they always qualify from the group anyway and all they need is a little bit of form to, um, to carry them through. They're going to go deep in the tournament. I mean... That first game is really important. We saw Argentina and we saw Germany fail the test. Uh, Germany play Spain tomorrow and if they lose that game, they're out of the World Cup after two games. So um, the weekend is going to be great. Coming up then tonight, we have England-USA. England-USA. Famously, was it 1950? Uh, USA beat England 1-0. The telegram went back to the the English. They're like, that must be a mistake. We obviously won (laughs) 10-1. That couldn't have happened. Uh, so, you know, an opportunity for England to get revenge after all these years. Uh, you do expect England to beat the USA, but USA had a little bit about them, particularly in the first half of the game the other night. Uh, now, Wales are awful today. They got beaten by Iran. The Iranian players did sing the, the anthem. I'm sure these things are completely unconnected. Um, that, that group's going to be very difficult to uh, get any line of form if America do anything this evening. But if England win that game, they're essentially through. 
and they'll be able to rest players for the last round of matches too. So they're they're also looking very good. Do the Americans care about? Did did that attempt to drive American interest in football work? Well, how would you how would you quantify success coming off the zero base to the point where? You know, tens of millions of people pay money to be members of the uh, American Football Association. The league, the professional league, has sustained players get transferred from that league for tens of millions to European leagues, and the TV deal continues to go up in in value. You'd say, yeah, is it as big as American football? No, never, not close to it. Like uh, the the value of the American football franchises, there's 32 of them. It's between three and five billion, which dwarfs any other single individual country's league. Uh, around the world so it hasn't reached that level but it's got a foothold in the US the the massive Latino um, communities obviously play really uh, significant numbers of football but it's also a very white middle class sport it has managed to get it's very expensive to play soccer in America to get coaching and to get facilities it's not kind of the same here where it's considered a, a working class sport amongst the the white Americans because uh, you've got to pay a lot of money and uh, there's, there's no kids in the park jumpers for goalposts they don't it's, it's not really it hasn't taken off at that level um, not quite sure why we're later on going to be talking more about concussion because you probably may have heard World Cup winner Steve Thompson talking to Kieran yesterday. If you didn't, by the way, here's some of what he said. When it really sunk in the first time, really, like for me to take on board, was I was doing these tests, these sort of brain tests with a doctor, and she gives you 20 words to remember, and you have to repeat. Once she finishes, you have to repeat them. And I scored four, and then you go off and do other brain game type things, and you go back. And she repeats the same 20 words and then you have to like try and do them again. And I scored four again. So suddenly, and it just kept happening like that. And I can remember I, I must, I broke down crying because it hit me and I've just kept apologizing to her because I was like, I'm so sorry. And it hit me that, you know, I'm, I'm in trouble here. Like I think I might actually have what they, they're saying. Given what we saw coming off the back of Steve Thompson there, but what we saw with um, Nick White, the Australian scrum half last weekend, I thought we were past the point where people heroically played through apparent concussions. It's mad, isn't it? It is mad because you, you think that like, the, the World Rugby will say that they have made huge progress on this and yet even still, and it's fair to say that they have taken it seriously uh, because they have to, they're they're being sued. Um, those, those cases are going to be massive uh, test cases and, and I think the future of the sport hinges on it. But it's mad that even with all that uh, effort and energy and constantly talking about it, incidents like Nick White still happen at the weekend. And that's happening at the Viva, which has all of the mod cons in terms of telecommunication. And it's still a, it's a communication issue, right? So, like, I don't know. I, the players have to take some responsibility. The medical staff have to take some responsibility. The sport has to take responsibility. Ultimately, World Rugby has to issue the diktat saying this is unacceptable. How the hell does this keep happening? It happened in the summer um, with one of the Ireland players, Jeremy Lockman, um, stayed on and at half time was like well you know, it kind of looks like he might have some concussion symptoms there and uh, the, the, like so that's three months ago we saw in the World Cup players getting concussed and continuing on like the message and if you through. can see it I mean if you can see that somebody is symptomatic when you're watching it on the telly that's significant there's a whole lot of head injuries that give you mild concussion where it ain't visible to the viewer at home and if the culture isn't I mean I was talking a while ago to a former Irish international he said that he got in the habit of every time he got a bang look to the scorecard or look to the um, scoreboard because the ref would come up and say what's the score and as long as you knew that you'd get let play on even if you didn't know where you were yeah we have definitely progressed from there right 
the, the whole problem last week was that the rules weren't actually applied. If the rules have been applied, if somebody exhibits any of those things, then take them straight from the game. But they weren't. And then that problem gets magnified right down through the age grades. Uh, you're hearing about other sports kind of oh, doing like HIAs on the kids, but sure, they're not qualified to do it. You're not supposed to do them anyway. Certainly not on the kids. Like there's not supposed to be any HIA except in But is there, should there be more rugby? of a cultural onus on the other players to say he's not well, we need to do something here or that bang didn't look good? Is there still that cultural um, impetus to power through? I think less so now, right? But I do think that it this, this the solution to this is is definitely a pie where like half of it is world rugby. Uh, a big portion of it is the players association who coming out and giving their players some kind of authority or some sense of freedom and security to say, if you end up having a career shortened by concussion, we'll back you, we'll we'll pay for extra insurance, we'll do something, but we're also going to go to bat to make sure that this is never allowed to happen again. They've been silent. I do think the medical profession need to, like, if, if they feel they're being exposed because they're looking at one incident, another incident happens, they haven't seen it and they can't make a judgment on that, then get back up. Like, rugby is a really rich sport. They're always complaining about how broke they are. They're a really rich sport. They can afford to have extra doctors. In At the FIFA World Cup, there are actually doctors in the crowd with binoculars who are just whose job is literally just scan the field. Is anybody showing any signs? So you can't tell me that there wasn't somebody whose job it was to spot Nick White. There was, a, like, it, it's it's a, a, a village of people who failed in that incident. And um, it's easy to, to finger point, and it's, it, you know, definitely... Australian medical team, the independent doctor, the referees, but ultimately you've got to take it back and go, World Rugby needs to get everybody together again and say, stop this. On the topic of rugby, let's look to the performance. We have come off a, a series um, friendlies against South Africa, Fiji and Australia where we have won all before us and where we end up being number one uh, ranked in the world. How does this bode for uh, the World Cup as we head into it and how real do you view that ranking? It's all too good, isn't it? Isn't That's it just? Problem. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I think everybody is, is uh, our cough has been softened by a history of beatdowns at the big moments. Um, and so I don't think anybody's getting too carried away. We were really lucky against Australia to win that game ultimately and, you know, you, you make your own luck, etc., etc. But, uh, you know, um, and we didn't have sex and oh, that's a good sign. Uh, bad, good teams win when they're playing badly. I get all that. But at the same time, massive room for improvement. I guess the truth is the gap between the first team and the eighth team in the world who are Australia at the moment is very small. And Australia could have won that game. We could have beaten them easily if a couple of things had happened. And uh, Our squad is definitely deeper than it has been before. We are completely reliant on Johnny Sexton and he's getting older every single day. You know, the, it's like a definitely diminishing returns. Uh, while that's factually correct in his case, it's also like um, he seems to have been somehow not uh, prone to the vagaries of time up until this point. But that's going to happen. There'll be one day he wakes up and feels old, you know, uh, as we all know. And like, <laughs> who's, who's to say that we won't have our more players fit when the World Cup quarterfinals come about than the opposition? Because that's what it's going to be. It's going to be this mad war of attrition. And at the end of it, the team who has had the best luck with injuries and been on the right side of the refereeing will will be winning. And we are one of those teams who can realistically dream of that. That's about all you can hope for. To feel alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, on that soaringly philosophical note, cheer Gilroy from Off the Ball. Cheers. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.